0: you all for coming tonight. It's a beautiful day. Beautiful, not day. really, if you're a deer hunter, right? Though not, not as you could have got a tan
1: today. Yeah, type yeah. thing.
0: Um, but we're going to continue on tonight. For those of you that have been with us, we've been in Romans chapter 12, so we're going to stick with that for a little bit. Um, it's getting good tonight. Romans chapter 12, verse 9.
1: Th- this verse, I, I, I'm, t- I'm going to tell you right now. My my uh, Greek teacher used to say, boys, if you got any preach in you, it ought to come out on this verse. And, and, and this is it right here. Uh, let love be without dissimulation. And we're going we're gonna to explain that word. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Now, not very often does the scripture go boom, boom, boom. You know, there's point one, point two, point three. But sometimes it does. And when it does, it's always a beautiful thing, again, for a preacher. But this verse... Remember, context is king, and this verse comes after Paul has said, this is the seven motivational gifts that you're to use in body works, okay? Remember, church is an Anglican word. The Greek word is ekklesia, which means body. And we really ought to say, I'm going to meet with the body today, instead of, Going to church. Now, I don't think we're wrong in saying that. I'm just saying that what happens is, is that something loses, we lose something in the translation. We wouldn't say I'm going to body. We would say I'm going to be a part of the body. But if we're not careful when we say I'm going to church, it becomes an activity instead of an organ organism. Or building from geographical right, location. Right. That's a geographical location. So Paul here says, you've got the seven motivational gifts to love one another, to encourage one another, and the such to serve one another. And this is how you do it. You love without dissimulation, You abhor that which is evil. You cleave to that which is good. So I'm, I'm going to run through my stuff. You guys jump in when you want to uh, or when I'm done type thing. Uh, these are three admonitions right after the giving the list of the spiritual gifts. Number one, love truly, purely, without dissimulation. Now, I, I, what I did is I got in my 1828 app, Webster 1828, and dissimulation is simply hypocrisy.
0: And that's what, um, I have the New King James Version, and it says, let love be without hypocrisy. Right. Which, in all honesty, when you read that and you think, what? keeps people from wanting to go to church. Hypocrisy. Right. You we know, don't bunch of hypocrites.
1: Right. That's right. Now, so uh, I read something I can't even remember now. Oh, Matt Walsh on The Blaze, a editorial guy, commentator, he said that hypocrisy in its truest sense is not saying one thing and doing another, which I've always said. Hypocrisy is saying one thing and believing another. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're so now. You're beyond because we all say one thing and do another on occasion. We we do. It's a sin nature. But when you're saying one thing and believing another, now you're trying to deceive on purpose. Okay, love without dissimulation. So in other words, when that person the, the, that's difficult to love, I mean, be sure and look at Gavin. That per no, that, that person. That, he's my brother-in-law. He's got to put up with it. Uh, you find that person oh that's difficult uh, to... I don't know what I'm catching on. Is there a little kid back here pulling this? No. Anyway. It's me. Uh, yeah, it's you. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> what were you just talking about? Uh, you, ha- you have to make a choice, make a decision. I'm going to love this person. I- I'm going to love this person. And, and-, and to me, that- that's what that's talking about. Anybody want to throw in before we go to abhor that which is evil? So,
2: so I, I'm trying to picture in my mind how love can be hypocritical. Or, or yeah, how can you demonstrate love hypocritically? <laughs> Hang
1: around with me for a while. <laughs> I struggle. Take notes. Yeah, right.
2: So so if you're pur- purporting to be a loving person and your ultimate motives are for your own gain, right. I would say is a good way. To, and it doesn't take you long to figure out somebody that's really in the game for themselves. You bet.
0: Not being sincere. Yeah. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, don't have your best interest at heart at all. Warren Wiersbe
1: said, "Love is the circulatory system of the spiritual body." I thought that was pretty good. Profound. Y- y- you know about circulatory systems.
0: I do. I actually was thinking. I got to hear Warren Wiersbe speak um, cool. in Nebraska when I was in college. He came and spoke to our youth class all the time, and everybody's like, "Who's this old guy?" Oh and I was like, "You know what?" My dad has commentaries of this guy just stacked up at home. I used to paint my nails because they were the big books, and I take that <laughs> out. and I know why. And I was like, Dual "This use. old guy is important." He's
1: important. Yes, yeah. he is.
0: So, and I didn't. I was too dumb to realize how important he was at the time.
1: Well. I've made no bones about it. If John MacArthur ever quits writing books, my preaching level is going to go down. Not that it's up, but I'm just saying, I depend pretty heavily on I'm
0: just saying it tonight.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I depend heavily on Well, Warren Wiersbe was 20, 30 years ago preacher's go-to. You know, he he was the guy. Because he did a a commentary on every book of the Bible. Kind of like... J. Vernon McGee. Oh, my God. I heard him this morning. He Man, he's on all the time, uh, which is good stuff. So the circulatory system of the spiritual body, which enables all the members to function in a healthy, harmonious way, it must be an honest love, he says. And then that reminded me of the verse, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you show love one to another. And so uh, I, I don't know if we're getting it across tonight, but... It's not enough to have your spiritual gift. You have to use your spiritual gift in true, honest, sincere love. And sometimes you have to stop and you have to say, look, you, you're going to change your attitude. You know, um, amen. And, uh,
2: amen. It's not uh, neutral when it comes to the battle of good and evil. Love right. is certainly not. Uh, in fact, it's a demonstration of love. It's a rescuing kind of love. It's it's. Basically, what the war is about—it's the war itself—is funded. It's it's motivated by. It's informed by God's love.
1: Loving others like you love God. Uh, so the the let me let me read the definition real quick, and we'll move to abhor that which is evil. The act of disassembling, a hiding under a false appearance, a feigning, false pretension, hypocrisy, dissimulation may be simply concealment of the opinion. I thought that was interesting. I find myself mm-hmm. doing that. Oh very my same thing. goodness! Uh, I, and I think there's a fine line there, you know, Say between being hiding of the opinions, the hiding of the I'm opinions. In in other words, you're sitting there thinking, I cannot stand this. Guy. <laughs> this guy thinks he's all that, and you're just sitting there smiling, you know. <laughs> uh, and and, and be, because if you really loved that person, uh, you would seek to try to change some of those things if you truly felt that they were against mm-hmm. God's word and such, and you, you would invest. Instead, you're just biding your time, mm-hmm. you know, till t- you can move on and do what you want to do. This is hitting close to home, it isn't is. it? It is not it This is a little more painful than I thought it was going to be tonight. Sentiments or purpose, but it includes also the assuming of a false or counterfeit appearance which conceals the real opinions or purpose. Dissimilation among statesmen is sometimes regarded as a necessary vice or as no vice at all. And I think there's that fine line. You know, so what they're saying is, or what he's saying is is that... Please
0: break that down a little bit. A statesman,
1: uh, we would call him a politician now. And I'm going to tell you, that's one of the reasons we're in the trouble we're in, the United States of America, is because we don't have statesmen anymore. We have politicians. What's the difference? A politician is pretty much out for himself for the next election. A statesman is pushing and fighting for his state's rights and their betterment. And ultimately, not just for the, you know get all the money I can from my state. No, that's not what I'm talking about. How can they be the best state to propel the union as a whole to the, to the betterment? Um, but, but their state needs to better themselves, and that's not just receiving money, but, it, but it's doing better and the such. And so a statesman has to be able to uh, keep some things close to the vest, you know, but certainly not to a point of hypocrisy.
2: And I, I heard recently, or actually this week, Rush was talking about, believe it or not, Trump acting as a statesman in the, in the transition of power here with Obama he, he agreed with and praised Obama in the meeting, but we know he has di- diametrically opposing views. That's being a statesman. That's, That's right. I, I, you know, we're we're going to get along. Civil
1: discourse. Civil discourse. We're going to we have the
2: transfer of power and then.
1: Amen. Uh, abhor that which is evil. Now, the Latin word here is abhoro, to set up bristles, shiver, or shake to look terrible. You ever you ever said something to your wife or husband and they give you that terrible look, you know
2: whatever it may be. And and then I have that petrified look. What she you're heard something about. I didn't say. <laughs> right, right, right. She heard something
1: I didn't say. What did you say? I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about.
2: <laughs> Which time? No.
1: Yeah. Uh, so uh, that that's what we are to do when we see or hear something evil. Abhor give that terrible look to what is evil. Uh, to hate extremely or with contempt, to loathe, detest, or abominate, to despise or neglect, to cast off or reject. So that's what you and I are to do toward evil. So we are to love people without hypocrisy. We are to abhor that which is evil. And, and, you know, we're going to get to this later, but for me this is the best example. I, I cannot, will not, hope I never get over The, I guess the word would be hypocrisy of the liberal left in our nation that from one side of their mouth they talk about children and loving children, protecting children. It's all about the children. On this side, you know, that 58 million that we have aborted They don't have any rights. I I just, you know, that abhors me.
0: And there's a, a Casting Crown song where they say, we're sound asleep by philosophies that save the trees and kill the children. And essentially, we don't want to tap into any natural resources lest we harm a bird or a tree, but we... You yeah, can't spend to those
2: resources on children uh, that are not yep, wanted. Right.
0: We're digressing completely yep. from the topic we were on, but, but this it's, is an it is it, it's, it's an example.
1: It right. is It's an example of abhor that which is evil. Uh, and, and, you know, as a church, and, and I, you know, we're told, even by some in our own ranks, we need to tone down the rancor. You need to tone down. No, I really think we need to turn it up a little, you know. So lastly, under this section, cleave to that which is good uh so so you you know you almost go full circle here, love without hypocrisy, can abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good Can
2: I say one more thing Please. on, on abortion? one thing that in a, in a discussion um I had about abortion online with a lady who was pro abortion and i I think finally I was cracking the the hard shell cover she had, and she said that she was making the statement that large families, where she was from, I take it she was from India, because of the large fam- families, all they experienced through her growing up years was uh, shortages, uh, resources that were divvied up into small amounts, they had to take turns at things that we wouldn't think about taking turns at. And, and she, she said, essentially was making the argument that abortion would have- uh, Alleviated. Alleviated that stress on the resources. And I, at the, of course, a week after the fact, I'm thinking, I should have said to her, which one of her siblings would she have done without? Right. Which one of her siblings right. would she have chosen not to Amen. grow up with?
1: Uh, and, and something there, too, you, you talk about a, a diversion, but India, for me, is almost, you, you, you almost got to pick that up and set that over here, because why are they struggling with food shortage?
2: They won't eat what's right for Because from them. of the
1: proverbial <laughs> sacred cow. Cow, yep. We may be killing Aunt Susie, you yep. know. Uh, so that is an issue of false beliefs that they have. They, I mean, it's a governmental thing. You can't kill certain hmm. animals because of incarnation. And so it, it's really not a resource issue. It is a belief that has brought... Judgment. Take them into prison. You can choose your choices, but you can't choose your consequences. They're in bondage to it. Yeah. yeah. Amen.
0: So when I read this verse, um, and I out of the New International Version, but it says, Love what is sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So even within the last week, I found myself thinking, how can I be a more effective Christian? What can we at a church do to reach people more? Just thinking, like, what as a Christian do I need to be doing better, different, what, you know, just kind of evaluating, thinking. And then here I read this love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. It was kind of basic instruction. Right, right. And That's I kind of laughed at myself and I was like, what have we got coming up? Uh, chapter 12, verse 9, and I'm reading it on my app and I'm like, there it is. That <laughs> kind of sums it up. Booyah. But the thing is, it's it's hard to love it is. without hypocrisy. It is. Some people are hard to love. it's And the thing is that you might show love, you might do loving things. Um, but is your heart really there? It, that's the kind of thing that is hard. And two, what does love look like to people? Is it just saying things? I think love is action. Love is meeting their needs, giving your time, giving your energy, giving your money. Um, all speaks to loving people in our community. I think that's what speaks love. That as a church is how you reach people. As, that's how you reach people just interpersonally. Right.
1: What our wanna kids are doing with these, this tin can tally, we do that every year. I don't know how many hundreds of cans we're going to give to the Agape House, that, that's love. It, it, it truly is. Uh, them taking, uh, several of the kids took time out of their day or schedule and went to uh, Country Fresh and stood out and asked people to, you know, go buy some canned food and, and donate it.
0: Well, and the other part is hating what is evil. And then part of that too is what we talked about last week is kind of recognizing what is evil, recognizing what is not true, knowing it when you see it, standing up for it when you do recognize it. Well, especially
3: in today's society because that line has been blurred so much that if you look, and and I'm not speaking out of truth and all that I have been divorced, so that's why this one always kind of rings in my ear. If you look back when I was a child, back in the 60s, that word would never be mentioned in front of your children. Mm. It was they're getting they're getting the the big D. It was never divorce. You never said that word in front of a kid. Where today it's a flippant word. Oh, they're getting divorced. You know, and it's just a matter of facting. You know, and it's and if you look at it, we should abhor that word. If a if a divorce happens, I mean, my Christian faith is stronger now you after bet. my divorce than ever was before. You I mean, and God blessed me it's, and gave there's me no sub Christian. Yeah, and and God gave me a Christian wife to bring me back to what I needed to be. Amen. But still that divorce is there for me and I mean I know the forgiveness is there but it's always in my mind what if back when I got divorced if that word wouldn't have just been a oh divorced right. the easy option right. you know if we would make it the less easy option granted there's times that it you know I, I don't ever see it happen but there's times it must happen but sure. I just look at it and I was like that word right there just rings true to me From when I
2: look at that word I abhor another thing is speaking truth to individuals I, I'm the worst about somebody that's caught in a and a way of thinking, and I just work around that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I schedule my day around that or schedule my strategy around that. Instead of saying, hey, you know what? You know you might want to consider. Yeah. And I, I've been in situations, and I, I can't give you a good example at this point. I can't think of one, um, where a problem's been going on with an individual and you've been avoiding it, avoiding it like it's taboo. You can't talk about the subject. And then somebody comes in and says, oh, hey, you know, you really should do And just directly hits the, right. the mark with them. I was like, wow, I could have done that yeah. s- six, six months ago. <laughs> yeah. But we, uh, but we always do, the, oh, is, is everything okay with us? It's okay.
3: We're good. You know, yeah. we, we don't yeah. say that. We right. don't actually. Speak the truth. Yeah, speak the truth. If you love them,
2: you will.
1: Amen.
0: And just in closing where it says cling to what is good. That just made me think in Philippians 4.8 where it says finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So when I think, cling to what is good, it made me think those instructions that were given in Philippians.
1: The, the, uh, the non-academic translation of that is stick like glue, uh, and, and it, there is some... In other words, that is an accurate statement, but most Greek scholars wouldn't start there, but they end up there, cleave to that, which is good, stick like glue.
0: All right. Um, So we're going to take a quick break here. We've got, as usual, a lot coming up. Um, Don't forget this Sunday is our Thanksgiving celebration dinner at (laughs) 6 p.m. And then also next Wednesday we will have a break from Awana and from Bethel Radio Hour for Thanksgiving, so no one will be here if you show up on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, you you're will welcome. Be alone, but we, yeah, you'll be alone. Enjoy. Do you have an I'm just saying. The I
1: same. do. And uh, my mine's pretty uh pretty stout. Uh, if one more baby-hating, evil-loving, ignorant liberal calls me a racist, I'm liable to get upset. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Because, I mean, every show I watch, every article I read.
0: That is what it feels like. Oh, my
1: goodness. They've taken Hitler's approach.
0: Oh, I had a patient today that called Trump Hitler. He liked Hitler. That was his exact phrase, actually. And the
1: Hitler approach (laughs) is is that no matter how absurd something is, if you say it often enough, people will start Start to believe it. Yeah. (laughs) And I really do believe they've taken a page out of that, and he's racist, he's racist, they're racist, they're racist. Yeah. There was a, CB, a CBS analyst that wrote an article uh, basically that if you voted for Trump, you're racist, get over it. You need to quit getting upset about <laughs> <by> being called <laughs> a racist because that's <laughs> what you are.
2: Redefining racist, yeah. I saw a picture of a, it was an empty street in New York City that said, the, uh, this is a, a picture of the protest after Obama was elected. <laughs> <laughs> All the conservatives hitting the street. It was just an empty street line up there. Yeah. Right. Oh, There's another right along those lines. Black Lives, this is the title of an article online. Black, Live, Black Lives Matter anti-bullying activists arrested for assaulting a 74-year-old man in a Trump protest. So <laughs> who's a racist? i right. sorry. So I, the, I've already said a couple of these, but... Uh, I keep hearing things on the news, and uh, do you know who Brad Brad Avakian is? I do, because I read the story. The story about the, he he was the guy who put the sweet cakes uh, bakery out of business in uh, Oregon because they wouldn't make the cake for the gay wedding. And uh, he ran for office, a statewide office office in Oregon and lost to a Republican for the Secretary of State. First time that's happened in the state in 14 years. And the, the liberals complaining about Steve Bannon, who, who's now on the Trump team, mm-hmm. as being ultra right wing. And I, I just say two words, Eric Holder. Come on, man. Yeah. Get, get over it. Yeah. Uh, Trump slipped out slipped out past the press score last night. Did you hear it was big? Oh, he can't do that. Can't, can't go there without us knowing. And there they said, that, <laughs> this kills me. Pre- press said they were there when Kennedy got shot. They were there when Reagan got shot. It's a long-held, prestigious honor of the American press. I was like, come on. It's, it's almost fun again to <laughs> right. listen to the to news. To be there when the president gets I'm, shot. I'm, <laughs> exactly. I'm just saying it's getting fun to listen to the news again. Yes. It's been a long time. So.
0: All right. Um, so we're moving on to our second topic. And this is on, we've been on the armor of God. We talked about put on the full armor of God. We've discussed several pieces of the armor. And tonight we're going to move on to the shoes or the sandals.
1: Yeah, uh, the shoes of the gospel of peace. And, and again, Paul was, had in his mind, most likely, the Roman armor. And, and so the Roman armor, when you got to the feet, was a, a sandal-slash-boot-type uh, thing because it would go up, up the leg, and it had cleats on it so that you could dig in and basically hold the fort down-type uh, deal. With those cleats, and so uh, this piece of armor has a lot of significance. Uh, the gospel is not something you retreat from. It's not something you retreat from. You you dig in. You take your stand. You're not carrying the gospel. The gospel's carrying you. Amen. I thought that was interesting. Amen. And not just any gospel, but the gospel of peace. Now, uh, you, you, have you got, somebody got Ephesians 6 pulled up? Oh, I do. All right. Uh, read the part where it says the gospel of peace. What, what else does it say about it? Um,
0: let me find it? Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace.
1: The gospel of peace. All right. There's two kinds of peace. And I can't remember, it may have been Warren Wearsby that, that helped me with this years and years ago. But there's two kinds of peace when you get saved. You get peace with God because you are now no longer an enemy of God. When you are lost, you are, the Bible says, you are enmity against God. Your sin, your sin is an enemy against God. But when you get saved, you get the peace with God. That's important. So you. You, the wrath that is headed for you is taken care of because of the cross of Christ, but the the if you will, the best part of the gospel of peace is the gospel of or the peace of God. So you get peace with God because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, but you also get the peace of God because of that being taken care of. Does that make sense so so there's two pieces you know it, it's like your kid, okay? your kid comes up. And uh, let's just say your kid fed, you know, Titan, a bunch of whatever, to make him throw up. It has happened. All right. So, you know, you, you correct your kid. And, and your kid looks at you with those big brown eyes or whatever and starts tearing up and all that and pulls on the heartstrings and says, I'm sorry, Mom, I shouldn't have done that. You forgive your kid. The kid has peace now. With mom and dad. But now you go beyond that now. And you cuddle that child. You hug that child. You give them ice cream. There's the other piece. So you get peace with mom and dad. No belt. And the peace of mom and dad. A relationship. That, that's my contribution for the gospel of peace.
2: And as you have mentioned before. Each article of the armor is a representation of the character of Christ as well. Absolutely. And he holds the title Prince of Peace. He, he's the arbitrator of real peace, um, which I think as a nation we're suffering from a deficiency of. And that's why you see people in the streets. I, I honestly don't understand what they think they'll gather by making the rest of culture listen to them scream. Um, there, there's no peace in that, there's no accomplishment in that. Um, we're, we're in the middle of a normal process of the transfer peaceful transfer of power is what we always say and we've got a, a faction that's fighting against that um, honestly I think it's because they don't have any idea what peace, what the peace of God is or that they can even have it which is the sad part, which is all the more important that we ready ourselves with the gospel and it's Resent bad that them. I
0: was just thinking they didn't have a job to go to, and that's why they were there. That bad. Love without dissimilation, Tara. Love.
1: Ouch. Well, um, <laughs> See, I concealed that opinion. <laughs> I'm just statesman. not that spiritual He's then, on Statesman status. Statesman status. <laughs> not that spiritual. Hey, I'm with you.
0: Um, well, I was reading, too, um, just along these lines where we're talking about you have your breastplate, you put on your belt, you put on your breastplate. And what's the point of having all this armor if you don't have shoes? Right. Like, you're not going to make it very right. far. If I, um, When I was little, I stepped on thorns going barefoot oh. outside. And then a few months later, I stepped on bees outside. And I've just never gone out without shoes. Right. And I just, I got a bit of tender feet, and I can't help that. And so when I go outside, it's like, you know It hurts, but even a soldier, even the toughest soldier is not going to go very far on a rocky ground to run or walk or move without their shoes on. So I like these, this particular analogy made sense. But I think with the opposite of peace is fear. Yep. And
3: you think about your so, feet. And, uh, and when you think about the time of combat back in the Roman days, you were protected from, lo- from mid-shin to throat with a shield. Mm-hmm. But what if that uh, enemy takes that spear and flips it up and jabs straight down? Mm-hmm. Your foot's exposed. If you, if you lose that support of one foot, you're weaker. So that piece that comes in, as far as the shoes go, they were well, not only where they cleated in the bottom, but they were also covered the front yeah. of your foot, sure. so you couldn't get it pierced. So if you think of the, the solidness, that piece, the, your foot is what keeps you going. And any, Anybody who's been in the military, do I have this thing on? Do I? Nope. anybody who has been in the military who has walked, knows the most important thing on you is not your backpack, it's not your, not your, it's not your core, it's not your shoulders, it's your feet. It is. You take care of your feet, because if you 26-mile hike and your feet start to hurt, hurt at mile two, you're not going to make it.
0: Mm. Um, that's where the treatment for athlete's foot come, came from, actually. <laughs> really? protection of the feet, because yep. they found out that the soldiers are getting athlete's but, and they couldn't right. perform. Sorry. Yep. Side note, just a oh, yeah. brought that from the crevices of microbiology. You're welcome <laughs> for that. But we have all benefited. No charge. We've all benefited from that. But what I was thinking when it comes to peace, the opposite of peace is fear. And right. that's ultimately what Satan wants us to do. So when right. it comes to spreading the gospel, which is what we're supposed to do, he wants to strike fear in us. Oh, so people don't want to hear that gospel. You're going to get criticized if you tell the gospel. It. The gospel's not really that important anymore. Those are the kind of lies that are coming to us as Christians when we want to spread the gospel. He wants to inflict fear in the midst of our shoes with peace, or peace shoes on.
2: Right. If you think about it as a as a weapon, and think about it the other way, Tara, we want to inflict peace on our enemies. We, whole, whole different. You can see the the spiritual war in context there it's we're we're trying to inflict on our enemies our, our love without dissimulation an abhorrence of harmful things and a peace that passes understanding um it's a whole different level of warfare and we can't lose sight of the fact that it is war and inflicting our uh, you know, pushing our morals on other people includes forcing you to have peace <laughs> you know to, to experience peace to experience love sure. to experience uh joy, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith. Uh, It's a terrible, terrible thing. Pestilence we're trying to push on the world.
1: (laughs) Well, and and ultimately, we're adding light to their gospel. In another part, it says to render, don't render evil for evil. Render good for evil. So when someone lashes out at you, you return that evil with good. And you're adding the Bible says you're heaping coals of fire upon their head, and we talked about that one night. It, it's not our way of getting vengeance. It's our way of adding light to their gospel. That makes no sense. For you and I to treat someone who's been hateful to us, to treat them with love and kindness, we're forcing our peace upon them.
2: It's, uh, I, it's so easy to lose track of the objective. The objective is not to destroy them. The objective is to convert them Amen. and to, to give them life, to make them uh, have eternal life, a uh, relationship with God and find their purpose in God. So when they're coming at you, calling you names and trying to inflict damage upon you, it, it's very hard not to return in kind. And that, that's what we're called to. We're called to not, not destroy them, but to give them life. And sometimes they can inflict a lot of damage on you before they realize that, you know, I'm here to present to you a worldview that explains everything, <laughs> why, you're, why you're empty inside, why you, uh, the purpose of pain, the the deepness of passion that comes from experiencing pain, a whole worldview that explains the way the world works in, in a coherent explanation. And so, sometimes uh, I'm reminded of the missionary who gave the example of the huge giant python in his hut, and he said, uh, he explained that, the natives were all up. You're going to have to give up your hut. You're going to have to give up your your hut. And he said, No, no. so. He went in and got. He had just a small firearm and shot the python right in the the skull. And he said that python was dead when he shot it. But the destruction that he wreaked on the hut while it was dying, he never really accounted for. Mm-hmm. Um, so same things. You know, we can relate this to the election. We can relate this to. The, the devil, the devil's already lost the battle, but in the dying process, he's thrashing and destroying everything that he can within arm's reach or tail's reach, whichever. Um, so so the the, the battle is, the, the war is won. We've got a lot of battle and damage control to do yet. No doubt. Um, on many levels.
0: All right. That actually um, is a good segue into what we're going to talk about next, um, but we will take a quick break. Um, I did not mention before, if you want a Bethel T-shirt, see Todd. Todd Walters, he's not here tonight. Um, he's here most of the time. I don't know if he's taking a hunting sabbatical. I'm not going to go working. there. Oh, man, I was going to try to. <laughs> uh, all right, well, we'll let him go to he's work. He's got a job. Um, yeah. But yeah. if you want a Bethel T-shirt, see him. They're pretty neat. Um, they are very They're very, very, neat. very soft. That's an important feature. So um, <laughs> see him if you want a Bethel T-shirt. Well, do you have a, I know I'm getting older because. Yes,
1: I do. I know I'm getting older because I don't remember being this aggravated when I was a young adult.
0: <laughs> just
1: didn't care. Oh my goodness! I, and it's the least little thing. It it's seems the ignorance like. of youth. <sighs> um, Boy,
0: I, I know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but but and you know, love without dissimulation. I, I you know, love the people. Love the people, and especially when they're your daughter and son and and wife. You know, just love it's the important people. Important people to love. That's right.
2: Sound like a little dissemination in there to me. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't get. One. I don't have. A well, you don't I got know. One. I
0: know getting older because I'm doing things now that I made fun of my dad for doing. There you go. Like going to bed before nine. <laughs> I love it. I love to be in bed before nine o'clock. It is one of my favorite things on the planet. And I love. You know, he used to listen to preachers all the time. I find that I love to do that. Like old. You know, 91. I've got 5. YouTube now. He didn't have YouTube. I can pull up anything. <laughs> Um. Somebody sent this in, and it was too funny not to put up. Sorry about, but it's a picture of Trump. And <laughs> <laughs> people are being paid to protest me. Good
1: for the economy. I'm
0: not even president yet. I'm already creating jobs. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. I wonder if they're paying their taxes on that. I'm yes, sure they
1: are. Let's let's sure hope.
0: Um. So our final topic, because we just didn't get it all in last <laughs> week, and mainly because who could foresee the things that have happened. Since the election, but we're going to continue on with election discussion week two.
1: Well, so there's been a lot of talk about the Electoral College. And so, uh, Brad, if you could get that one uh, slide up about the the red and blue state, Uh, red and blue, there it is. Donald Trump won 3,084 counties out of 3,141 counties in America's heartland. Yet there are people who believe those remaining 57 counties should dictate the fate and future of the entire United States. Let that sink in. Hmm. Now, and this is precisely, but we are going to give more explanation about uh, Electoral College. But this is precisely why our founding fathers saw and invented the ingenious Electoral College because I think it's plain to see America voted. America voted. Now, the blue represents, in most cases, large cities, large populated counties. So there certainly is an argument, quote unquote, about, well, but shouldn't it be just simply a simple majority? Because that's a democracy, you know? Well, so that's where you get into history one-on-one. This nation was never intended to be a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. That's what we are. And an electoral college allows us to stay a constitutional republic. Because if we were truly only a democracy, then I would have to agree. We've got to go to simple majority. But we're not. The, the president of the United States doesn't just represent Cities. He represents the entire populace of the United States.
0: That is the best explanation I have heard, and we have just beat that horse for the last week amongst the people I talked to, and that is dead on.
2: Well the other, s- so, go ahead. the other side of this is if if we were just on a simple majority vote, the whole election the whole electioneering process would be different. We would never have seen Donald Trump in Missouri. We would never Absolutely. have seen it. Absolutely. He, he couldn't Clinton. have afforded to. And the way it's done now, New York and California, nobody, elect, nobody does any kind of uh, electioneering in New York and California because we, we already know which way they're going. They don't waste time there. Right. So, so if Donald Trump had gone into New York and, and California... He'd have wasted his time. This time. But if, the, if it was a popular vote, he would have gotten He'd much have more to. vote in right. New York as some So.
1: So we also have a video... Of, uh, if you've ever heard of Prager U, uh, they are a very, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a very good, for the most part, conservative uh, entity, and they did a video uh, mm-hmm. about the Electoral College. Do we have that, Bradley? Yes. Awesome. Whenever you're ready.
4: I want to talk to you about the Electoral College and why it matters. All right, I know this doesn't sound like the most sensational topic of the day, but stay with me because I promise you it's one of the most important. To explain why requires a very brief civics review. The President and Vice President of the United States are not chosen by a nationwide popular vote of the American people. Rather, they are chosen by 538 electors. This process is spelled out in the United States Constitution. Why didn't the Founders just make it easy? and let the presidential candidate with the most votes claim victory? Why did they create, and why do we continue to need this electoral college? The answer is critical to understanding not only the electoral college, but also America. The founders had no intention of creating a pure majority rule democracy. They knew from careful study of history what most have forgotten today or never learned pure democracies do not work. They implode. Democracy has been colorfully described as two wolves and a lamb voting on what's for dinner. In a pure democracy, fair majorities can easily tyrannize the rest of a country. The founders wanted to avoid this at all costs. This is why we have three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial. It's why each state has two senators, no matter what its population, but also different numbers of representatives based entirely on population. It's why it takes a supermajority in Congress and three quarters of the states to change the Constitution. And it's why we have the Electoral College. Here's how the Electoral College works. The presidential election happens in two phases. The first phase is purely democratic. We hold 51 popular elections every presidential election year, one in each state and one in D.C. On Election Day in 2012, you may have thought you were voting for Barack Obama or Mitt Romney, but you were really voting for a slate of presidential electors. In Rhode Island, for example, if you voted for Barack Obama, you voted for the state's four Democratic electors. If you voted for Mitt Romney, you were really voting for the state's four Republican electors. Part two of the election is held in December, and it is this December election among the state's 538 electors Not the November election, which officially (coughs) determines the identity of the next president. At least 270 votes are needed to win. Why is this so important? Because the system encourages coalition building and national campaigning. In order to win, a candidate must have the support of many different types of voters from various parts of the country. Winning only the South, or the Midwest, is not good enough. You cannot win 270 electoral votes if only one part of the country is supporting you. But if winning were only about getting the most votes, a candidate might concentrate all of his efforts in the biggest cities or the biggest states. Why would that candidate care about what people in West Virginia or Iowa or Montana think? But, you might ask, isn't the election really only about the so-called swing states? Actually, no. If nothing else, safe and swing states are constantly changing. California voted safely Republican as recently as 1988. Texas used to vote Democrat. Neither New Hampshire nor Virginia used to be swing states. Most people think that George W. Bush won the 2000 election because of Florida. Well, sort of, but he really won the election because he managed to flip one state which the Democrats thought was safe, West Virginia. Its four electoral votes turned out to be decisive. No political party can ignore any state for too long without suffering the consequences. Every state, and therefore every voter in every state, is important. The Electoral College also makes it harder to steal elections. Votes must be stolen in the right state in order to change the outcome of the Electoral College. With so many swing states, this is hard to predict and hard to do. But without the Electoral College, any vote stolen in any precinct in the country could affect the national outcome, even if that vote was easily stolen in the bluest California precinct or the reddest Texas one. The Electoral College is an ingenious method of selecting a president for a great, diverse republic such as our own. It protects against the tyranny of the majority, encourages coalition building, and discourages voter fraud. Our founders were proud of it we can be too. I'm Tara Ross for Prager University.
1: Pretty good stuff.
0: Well, it's interesting because now that I, you know, I've been paying attention the last couple of elections, nobody had a problem with the Electoral College the last couple, just this election. Right. Now, all of a sudden, the Electoral College is what's it's going gotta on? Go. Yeah, so it's
2: gotta exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, and so, and this is really, guys, what we've been talking about for, for quite a while we have to instruct ourselves on these things. We have to engage our uh, community in these areas because, and I'm gonna tell you, men like Steve Ross, he taught in his class, he taught Missouri Constitution. He he taught the United States Constitution and such of that nature. So I know it's being taught, but (laughs) somehow we're, we're still, there's a disconnect somewhere of the general public knowing how our own government works, and then when things don't turn out the way they want them, then they want to change it. You know,
2: n- no. After it's been in place for 230 right. plus years. Right, it, it has worked for 230 plus years. My love is feeling a little dissimulation. Oh. Well, I, I want to. Pinhead came right to the <laughs> top of my vocabulary, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you You got people wanting to change something because it didn't go their way, right. and Propound, so, so if you change it, so say that you do change it, take away the electoral college and you, and you lose by the popular vote, what are you going to change then?
1: Right, right, right. yeah. Well, sorry,
2: so, yeah, so uh, dissimulation.
1: Yeah, a little, a little dissimulation there. there, Gavin. Um, the, the bottom line for me is, is that we have to hold folks to the fire. We, it may be us out protesting, you know, after December the 19th. If they do somehow, uh, I mean, there's 4 million signatures so far to um, basically get rid of the Electoral College. Barbara Boxer has put in legislation, so, so it, it's gonna be a subject for a while. Hmm. Who knows, it could go to all the way to the Supreme Court, hmm. so on and so forth, uh, but I, for me, that would be tantamount to um, declaration. A, a, a declaration. A declaration, <laughs> yeah, a declaration. And I believe, unfortunately, that that's where we're at as a nation, that we are on a teetering place here. It's just extremely important. We we need to be praying on a daily basis for our
2: nation. Amen. Uh, we're not done yet. We're not we done not on done. any level.
1: Uh, so go ahead. Se- you
2: several. Well, you, you said teetering there, and I've heard that word used several times by conservative uh, talk people this last week. The nation is in a precarious place, and I, 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 I am unashamedly a listener of Rush Limbaugh. I don't always agree with him. <laughs> I know, it, yeah. A lot of people you are gasping for your abhorrence of evil there, but um, <laughs> if anything, he presents a very interesting viewpoint. Um, and, any, and even he he used that term, and he he just started going on how significant significant the losses were to the Democratic Party. And he spent a lot of time uh, touting that as if it was an accomplishment that the Republicans have more power, politically speaking, in the United States now than they have since 2000, since 1928. 1928 was the last time that the Democratic Party was this few in number. And I'm like, Rush, you're missing, you're missing a huge point here. I don't think this was a, this election and where we're at is not about Democrats versus Republicans. It is about ideology. I, yes. I, I, profoundly about ideology, and we are, because of the Obama uh, presidency, in an identity, identity crisis as a nation. I, I think we've lost our sights of where we came from and who we are, and we're in the process of somebody telling us that we're something different or we ought to be something different, and they're using that, that age-old old, uh, method that the devil uses, it's damaged, therefore it deserves to be damaged more. So if it's not perfect, then we, it deserves to be destroyed. And, and he uses that technique on many different levels, even in our personal life. He'll use it in our own thinking if, if we allow him to. So because we have, we have had the best system the world has ever known for, sustaining um, a, a free country and a republic we should very carefully review any changes to, to become something else. I saw, um, so, so we're just beginning. The, this election is not, we, we don't need to take a break, we don't need to take a breath, we don't need to say, oh, thank goodness we, we dodged a bullet. We've got all the work to do now. So, so the election was just the beginning of what we need. We have been given um, an unbelievable dispensation of grace from God in this election. To, to try again to teach our kids how important it is to be American, what it means to be American. And w- we're going to drop the ball if we stop now and, and high-five each other and say, yeah, and we're going get back to our lives. Get back to our lives. is the worst thing we can do. Uh, so the current direction of education today has to be addressed. And I, I don't know if, if uh, the Trump administration is going to be that um, encompassing in scope, but what they're teaching kids today in college is nothing like we, they were taught even 20 years ago. And I thought we had liberal institutions 20 years ago. So I, I, I watched before I came, I was watching Fox News and the, this uh, Tucker Carlson had this college kid on and he was protesting the fact that we we're talking about deporting illegal aliens. And I thought it was pretty interesting that Trump calls he's only gonna, he's got only gonna de- deport criminal illegal aliens Think about that for a second. They're all Illegal aliens, yeah. So, I, I, in any event, he's protesting the fact, and I saw this little teeny bopper kid telling this, uh, I know my Love di- without love dissimilation, man. <laughs> all gone. Slipping out. <laughs> um, oh,
1: teeny bopper. It, he was
2: basically <laughs> telling Tucker Carlson that. They deserve the, a right to be here just like the rest of us. Well, of course. And, and they deserve, and I, I, he was saying a lot of the other cotton candy stuff, you know, kind of sweet tasting, but a lot, mostly air. Yeah. Um, I, I heard noise, but I was hearing him say, you know, hey, I got all this stuff for free, and people just gave me a bunch of stuff. I don't think it's right that I should be the only one that a bunch of stuff is given to freely. That, that's what I heard, essentially, the bottom line of his statement. He's been handed a very wonderful education uh healthcare you name it i'm sure from his parents and it's there's no there's no justice in the fact that he's been given it and now everybody can't freely come and have all have right. free stuff themselves so my suggestion here is to make and this was part of rush's discussion today every college campus to be a uh, sanctuary city ca- campus but all those people all those kids who are protesting this they, they have to sign up and they can go to their dorm. Let's say there's a thousand kids on a campus and, and they, they want their university to be a sanctuary university. So you guys get the, uh, you'll, we'll divide you into three different dorms. So 333 students in each dorm and we're gonna invite any illegal aliens that want to, to, to come in and, and live with you. You have to split all the food, you have to split all the room, you have to split the bathrooms. You, there'll be, depending on how many come, We'll divide them up equally amongst the rooms. So if there's 6,000 uh, illegal, undocumented aliens come, we'll divide it amongst your, your 1,000 rooms, um, and, and we'll see how that works for one year. And then we'll see how, what, how you right. feel about this. So, and we're not anti-immigration. They, they constantly yeah, push This that. nation was built on it. Jeff, Amen. you got
3: something? Well, I was just thinking about when, when we are talking about this, and... We're having, you know, me being my stance with my family, this college thing keeps popping up. Of course, you know, we all have got kids in their late teens and early 20s now. And my brother says, all college should be free. And I turned around on. I said, Matt, how do you figure it's free? He goes, well, they shouldn't have to pay for it. I said, you pay for it. I pay for it. Our taxes pay for it. There's nothing free. Professor does not teach for free. He, he gets a really good Income, that has to come from somewhere. I, and how many guys were old enough to remember that back in the 70s, as you were going through high school, you took that little test? Because college wasn't a guaranteed thing when I, when mm. I was a kid. Only the top 7% to 8% of your school got to go to college. Everybody else went to work right. or in the military, where I went. You know. But I look at it, and I, I'm just amazed at our society. As you go through the electorals and stuff like that, the whole everybody wants a trophy situation with I want it free and I, now, and I want a trophy because I did it and it's just like give me a break. Yeah.
2: So so it uh, used to be when college talking about my my generation when I, you know you, you could, could go in with the brightest of liberal in, intentions and and graduate from college with the most uh, biggest heart biggest liberal heart you could possibly have, but eventually life teaches you that things are not free. Yep. You, you you can't you know have every vacation in the Bahamas. You can't have you know, your cake and eat it too, as they say. So life teaches you, teaches you kind of that lesson. We've got a generation that's coming out of school with, with the liberal indoctrinization, indoctrinization and now they've got a debt load that they can't possibly pay back and I don't think they have a concept of, of what they're doing when they, when they take on that debt Reality is going to set in pretty quick.
0: Oh well, the problem is when you and I've thought long and hard of this about this because I came from pretty poor family and put myself through college mostly on scholarships that I worked very 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 hard to keep. But when you're given something and it's free, it's very easy to just abuse it and not care. So I don't believe I want to pay, and that's what happens. I don't want to pay for people to go to college who are going to just squeak by on minimal effort. Wee, I'm in college and it's free, so I'm just gonna maybe get my C minus D plus average and just get through this because it's college. Um, When college is free, it's because you have earned it to be free, you've kept a scholarship, you've proven yourself that you should have, so if they're gonna do it, you better set up some kind of scale like It's free until you get this grade, and then it's not. Because Uh, the minute that people realize, well, it's free no matter what, I don't care what I do here, party's on, I'm out of the house. That is what will happen. And as a college student, I was the poor kid. My friends were the rich kids from Omaha, and let me tell you what the rich kids from Omaha, well, let me not tell you what the rich kids from Omaha did.
1: <laughs>
2: I know it what the Party! It was
0: not pretty, I can tell you, and it wasn't the same existence I had knowing, oh, my gosh, I have to get I gotta these make it. grades. And so when it was free and if somebody else was fitting the bill, but that's whenever I see all these kids protesting, I'm like, boy, I know where this road is headed. Yeah. We're going to sink bazillions of dollars into this. And most of them are going to come out with an education that doesn't even equate to an actual working job, a job that's needed and necessary. Right. Sorry, but that's just what I Amen. feel very well, strongly Well, So about.
2: life used to teach them that lesson. And, and now yes. if, you, if you can get a check from the government to subsist and then, you know, they'll, pr- they'll pay your loans off, they'll whatever. We, we've got to get into place an edu- education. We've got to start with college, start teaching real American history, real yeah. reason real reasons why it's a wonderful purposeful glorious thing to be an american it's something different to be an american and get some kind of in place way for these kids to get out of debt and there's many ways that you can do it with with a free economy them learning that i think would be a huge life lesson you start giving business owners incentives to start paying making student loan payments
0: yeah um, quick note I, th- I think that's,
1: that's he's trying to get That's, go. A, hint. that's yeah. a hint. Yeah. Oh, so go ahead, Tara. Someone
0: texted in an interesting fact: Donald Trump's wife is an immigrant <laughs> yes. and yes. became a citizen in 2006 legally. And she came to us on a work visa legally. Bring Amen. in good immigrants. I'm Amen. saying yeah. good people. It. But uh, so you didn't see that what? sign legal. with Michelle
3: Obama? <laughs> I'm being replaced by an immigrant oh. as as a first lady. She's oh. she holding a sign that says, "I'm being replaced by an immigrant." Hey. For first lady, I said, "Great, legal." Amen. Legal. <laughs>
1: The rule of law. That is a phrase that we have to embrace and get back to. The rule of law. Thank you guys.
2: Excellent. Thanks, everybody.
1: Group tonight.